Whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none, and whoever has food should do likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would certainly hope that wearing this, I have your full attention today. (laughs) If you attend Mass at the other times, occasionally you'll see the younger servers wear black, right? When they move up in the world and get to high school, they get to wear the dark red. But some of them hopefully will graduate one day to wear this. So if they're brave enough, this is what's come. Confirmation was two days ago. Uh, the bishop came to bring the sacrament of confirmation to our young parishioners, 53 of them. Remember back to your own confirmation, the confirmation exam, to be precise. And you probably were asked, what is confirmation? What does it do? And maybe you were able to get away with the answer that it's when you become an adult in the church. Well, Father Cena and I don't fall for that anymore. Maybe it begins to be a good answer if someone says that being an adult in the church means that I am fully engaged in the mission of the church. That's pretty good. But if they're able to identify what the mission of the church is, then we're on to something. How does St. John the Baptist describe it in preparing us for the Messiah? He will gather wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Our task is to save people from misery, from damnation, help people believe in Jesus and to go to heaven. That's our mission. A few days ago, Father Cian and I were out for a bite to eat at District Taco and stumbled into a conversation with a group of young people. They're in their 30s, but I'll still call them young people. And one of them I had known from my very first parish when she actually was really young. So they asked us to sit down with them, and, or she asked us to have dinner with her friends. So she inflicted two priests on her two friends. And one of them said something really um, remarkable, worth sharing. He said that everyone he knows is unhappy. Every one of his friends, family members, Co-workers, everyone he goes to school with is unhappy. And not countering him, but to offer him some hope and some encouragement, I described to him a little bit of what, what life is like here. Where people, by and large, are okay. Even if we suffer, we suffer in good company. He talked about how his friends who are married, who have kids, who just don't have a relationship anymore. And I shared with him what it's like to visit a home where the kids are pretty well behaved. You know, they play, they even fight, but they play fight. And, you know, eventually the kids go to bed and it's not Armageddon. And the adults actually, you know, have adult time. And he looked at me with wide eyes like I was describing some impossible science fiction novel. So perhaps you have a little difficulty imagining a world where everybody is thoroughly unhappy. He has more trouble imagining your world.
but I should double check, maybe you are all miserable. Now, if you're not, it could be for a number of reasons. Some people are actually just thoroughly selfish human beings, but all of their needs are met, so they're happy. It probably doesn't describe very many people here. More than likely, if we're not miserable, if we're basically okay, even if bad things are going on, it's because of God. It's in large part because of what we're doing here. We might think that things are really rough, but when we realize what, what life is like outside of our bubble, we realize what a, what a difference it makes. Granted, not everyone who doesn't go to church is absolutely miserable. But the contrast is stark. Makes us realize that what goes on here is less like a, a gym or a club where you pay a fee and you get something that you want. It's more like a co-op or like a crazy huge family business, which explains it's you know the church at its best and at its worst. With that in mind, it's worth pointing out a few things in the summary of the annual report. It's in the bulletin. Maybe you came early and you already had a sneak preview. Still read the letter. I won't read the letter to you. But a few of the numbers on the other side are, are worth, worth some attention. On par with the church budget is the school budget. Until, we are, until our vocations crisis is over in about 40, 50 years, that's pretty much how it, how it ought to be. Worshiping God is our primary work. It's our public work. It's the liturgy. Second of that, our, our major work as a parish is the school. It doesn't just help the family that happens to have a kid there at the moment. Hopefully it helps the neighborhood. Hopefully it helps the community. Hopefully it helps the whole world. Really and truly, when you compare children that are in your homes with the alternative, we, we granted, they're not perfect, but they're really great kids. These are the people who then make friends who, because of your children, have hope that maybe, yeah, maybe I can get married and be happy. Maybe it is possible to have a family and not, not be miserable. How you raise your children makes a difference to the rest of the world. The school is able to contribute to that work really just with only a fraction of our Sunday collection. And the number that's worth pointing out, school tuition versus salary and benefits, is worth your attention because the golden standard in parish school administration is when tuition actually covers salary and benefits. On paper, we've actually turned that corner, except for the fact that there's 100000 that we give in financial aid every year. So we're just a few digits away from turning that corner. You look at religious ed and youth ministry, because educating everyone is our goal. They're doing more. They're also bringing in more. You look at music ministry, doing just as much with almost half the resources. That's in large part because more and more it's people who are fully engaged in the mission of the church that are leading us in sacred music. So across the board, whether it's Mike or Laura 
or James not to embarrass him, or Kevin, or a business manager, or the finance council. There's a, there's a lot that's, that's going on while trying to be responsible. Because it has to be admitted that collections are down a little bit from last year, which makes all the more gratifying the fact that there was still a half, over a half million dollar surplus last year. And that's not just going to be saved for nothing, but there's more that needs to be done. There's one number that's not on this summary that I want you to remember. Number 87. Every year we lose some parishioners, some move on, some move away, some drift away. So besides death and relocation and people just wanting to go to church somewhere else or not go to church. Last year there were 87, actually 86, new families starting to give to the parish. That's almost two new families every week. So at the beginning of Mass, you hear the lector give the introduction and a greeting to visitors. We think it's superfluous, right? Because we generally know who's going to sit nearby, and we look forward to seeing that family and their kids, and we always look forward to seeing you know, that couple, and they usually sit over there. And even though we don't know each other's names, we still know the community. We look forward to it. And we sometimes don't realize that every week there's new people. New people fully engaged, or new people just testing the waters, just coming for a visit, dropping by. And as people move on, move away, drift away, we we need to reach out and bring in new people. If you see a new face, introduce yourself. It's a little embarrassing to lead with the question, how long have you been coming here? Because it could be that they've been coming here for several generations. So you can lead with, hi, my name is such and such. Are you going over coffee and donuts? Or did you, did you hear right that Father McAfee is retiring? Or Mardi Gras on January 30th. Have you been to that? You should go. Introduce yourself if you see a new face. Granted, we visited about 1,300 homes over the past year, but we're not close to exhausting our mission to reach out to everyone and proclaim the good news. Certainly, the numbers that we have don't represent everyone that's interested in everything that Christ has to offer. So if you see an empty space and you want to fill it, we need to invite in even more. It could be that they're not ready to join fully, but at least in the meantime, they could buy a Christmas tree right? Or enroll their kids and pay full tuition, even better. So the action is be a believer, but more than that, be fully engaged. Give people an open door. There is a lot of unhappiness out there, and it could very well be the person that you think is most uninterested is the person who's most eager for something better than what they suffer. Besides giving an open door to others, give more to each other. Some people have given more over the last year. Good number of people, almost an equal number of people gave less. Father Cian and I are sympathetic. Remember, we're secular priests. We don't take a vow of poverty. So we have to save for retirement. 
You pay 15% federal tax, 5% state. In addition, because we're considered self-employed, we pay an additional 16% self-employment tax. We pay tax on room and board as though it's income, tax on everything we get for a mass or baptism or a wedding, house blessing. I'm not asking for sympathy or pity. I'm saying we sympathize with you. It's complicated. The easiest way for me to get all my donations done is through Faith Direct. So everyone that doesn't do Faith Direct is going to get a letter inviting them to do so. You don't have to. But it's good to remember when you see many people who don't put something in the basket, it's almost certain that they're already giving electronically every month. So don't assume that inaction means disinterest and that it's an alibi for you doing the same. So if you can... Try to give more this coming year. It's a even higher standard that we heard from St. John the Baptist in the gospel. The standard of justice for soldiers, don't extort, don't falsely accuse. The standard for tax collectors, don't collect more than what is due. And for all of us, if you have two cloaks... Share one with the person who doesn't have one. If you have food, do likewise. And so it begins with realizing that the Lord has given us a great bounty. And he gives us help even when we struggle. And he gives us hope so that we don't despair. And if we're already receiving what he has to offer, we can be grateful, not just for what he gives, but humbled by the fact that he wants us to be engaged in his mission to offer what he has to everyone. So it's with joy and with gratitude that we offer and we invite and hopefully we give more. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.